That's true. You know, we want to hear the stories from the people that are experiencing this on the ground. We want to hear your stories of how this this COVID-19 situation has affected your life, what you've done, what work's been like, what home life has been like, what was quarantine like, all these different things. If you want to reach out to us, you want to share your story, you can find us both on Twitter, obviously, tweeted us. You know, there's a lot of people struggling with this in a lot of different ways. And it's important that those people are recognized and that their stories are understood because those aren't the ones being told in the media. Welcome to the salt of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation. We need some information and that's why salt needs to be stationed in your rotation with real talking, real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. And just like a red, white and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, May 2nd, 1214 p.m., episode 84. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. And I am Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, surprise, surprise, it's COVID, 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 COVID. Maybe a little 2020, obviously a little 2020, because we're going to be discussing Joe Biden in some oh, capacity. Joe. And yeah, old Joe. Um, and then, yeah, we're just going to play around with whatever else comes up, because there's a lot of stuff popping. Washington State just had our, quote, stay home, stay healthy order extended to the end of May, which, if anybody listened to the governor's announcements, was a blatant lie, um, <laughs> but we'll discuss that as we get into it. Um, so, before we get into any and all of this, I wanted to tell you what I did last night, Donovan. Yes. So, you know, Friday nights, as I'm sure are very similar to you, uh, is is mostly just... From the minute I get off work and come home, it's basically just a hardcore show prepping, getting things together, getting ready for the show, and you know that kind of good stuff. And uh, my brother and I have been trying to play a lot of this this game called Battlefield Five. Yes, um, ever since the quarantine and all that, and it's been good for us because we spend a lot of time just talking on there. Which is nice because me and him don't like talk on the phone a lot because we're not phone right, people. Right. But uh, last night was very special. Well, and you guys don't like kick it that much either, right? Nah, nah, because we're both very, very busy. You know how it is. And he lives like over an hour away, and that's just inconvenient for me. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I guess I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, because he lives out in Seabeck. I mean, he splits his oh. time between Seabeck and Gig Harbor. Oh. Because I thought yeah. that he lived to your, I guess that was a long time ago, because I thought that he still lived to your mom's house, but. <clears throat> uh, he does, like, part of the time. He lives half with, the time. Yeah, half the time over at my mom's house out in, you know, BFC back. And then he also spends a lot of time over at his girlfriend's place down in Gig Harbor. Oh. Um, and I guess I thought your mom lived in Kingston. Oh, no. No, no. She's way out in the boonies, bro. Oh. We had, uh, we lived in Kingston at one point. Kind of uh, where I used to live, right? Yeah, right next door there. And then we moved to Paulsville when I was in my teens. And then 
after I moved out. Yeah, after my dad died and stuff, she went out and moved to a log cabin out in the woods in the middle of nowhere. Oh, okay. Which is what one does, I would imagine. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not sure. Yeah, what I would do, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, you basically have to be a a man of the woods, a person of the woods at that point to live comfortably out there. Especially if your kids are grown, you know. Yeah. Well, she's got a lot of horses, and she stays very, very busy. Plus, I get to see her every day at work since we work at the same company, which is nice. Oh, right. So, that's pretty cool. Um, But anyways, last night, the broski and I were playing a little Battlefield, and eventually, you know, I only got to play for like, I don't know, a couple matches, like half hour, 45 minutes or something. I was like, hey, man, I got to go do fucking show prep and shit. Um, He's like, well, what the fuck? Because we're talking on party chat on PS4. I was like, well, how about this? So I brought my PS4 controller into the studio and <laughs> we just stayed on fucking party chat. And basically I did a dry run of the podcast with him in any of the, any and all the possible topics that we might have talked about today and basically had a whole nother almost five hour discussion about anything we could possibly do for the show today. So I am really? about as prepped and ready as I could possibly be. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, and we I mean our discussions ranged from the bug all the way up to obviously the gold standard and a failing economy to systemic failures within government bureaucracies and the like. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a good healthy conversation, but I mean I don't think we ended up stopping till like one thirty last night. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which was dope because it's like if I had any crazy harebrained ideas, you know, he's the first to call me out on like a <laughs> libertarian standpoint from like a an ANCAP or libertarian standpoint. Yeah. And so it's great to be able to run ideas by that that first firewall. And it was a really fucking good time. Because I was heated as sometime. shit. He is begging. To come on. Oh, and so I, I did promise him. I was like, dude, I don't know when we could do this, but it'll be sooner rather than later at this point. He can be the first guest as soon oh. as like the first one All we right. do back, you know? He can come in. I'm down. He's going to be super happy about that. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know where exactly. Do you have anything in particular you want to start with today? We could start with like the new Washington COVID update. We can talk about Tara Reid and Joe Biden. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna throw this one off to you. Yeah, well let's uh, let's run with COVID first. Okay. Um, so let's see if I can get. I'm pulling up the world meter numbers real quick. Oh um, yeah. Just to hit the current statistics, uh, so <laughs> which may or may see. not be counter per, counter to the CDC's new numbers they just published <laughs> yesterday. But right. We literally um, just looked at that what 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. World meter seems to have a pretty good. Um, what pretty am I decent number yeah. yeah yeah pretty good feel of what the situation is yeah. um yeah they, you're right they tend to match up with a lot of other um outlets that report numbers as far as the deaths go it does say sixty six thousand on here so okay. uh but you like you said we just saw that cdc document 15 minutes ago so yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised can, if they go into more of that in yeah. greater detail as we get farther here, but it's I'm very so, confusing and contradictory to what everything we've been thinking so far. So I'm yes. really confused and it may just be a matter of how they're accumulating statistics. You know how that goes. It could be very, very different. Right. Um, well, and we, yeah, we'll get into that later. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so as far so, as 
our just real quick, situation. Yeah, the, <laughs> the numbers, uh, real quick before we jump into it. Oh, yeah. We have total coronavirus cases, 3.4 million globally, um, 243,000 deaths, and then 1.1 million people who've recovered. So we've got a pretty good. Pretty pretty good thing going here, I think, yeah. you know? As far as recovery. Weird as that stuff. sounds, but yeah. As yeah. far as recoveries and such. Um on a stranger note, China's recording one new case as of yesterday. So there's that. I didn't think there was any over in China. I thought that Just was one. tamped down, right? Just, Just one. Just the one. I totally believe that. Canada's got fifteen thousand new cases since yesterday. China's got one. Holy shit. Yeah. I wonder if that's just due to an increased uh, testing. I'm sure it's uh, due to a bunch of Chinese lies is more what I'm getting at. But Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, I'm just saying like yeah. the Canadian oh. bump. Oh, that was just the next country down because Canada and China are close alphabetically. Oh, um, yeah. So that's just. <laughs> <laughs> Going down the list. Yeah. Oh, oh and, actually, oh, I forgot. It. We're going to have to talk cases. about Canada at some point. Fucking Canada. Um, yeah, because, yeah, that, that whole thing, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah. Man, the next time, oh, I should have uh, called my grandma. I mean, like, grandma, I'm going to call you later because she's from Canada. My grandma's from Canada. I'd be interested yeah. to hear what she thinks about that. Is your, is your grandma, you know, where does she stand on, like, the Second Amendment and guns and stuff just in general, you know? Um, she's pretty open to it. I mean, she's not, you know, we've, I don't think we've ever talked explicitly about that. So, um, but I mean, I've like talked to her about me owning guns and stuff and she doesn't seem to be turned off by the idea. So she just knows you're a responsible young adult. Yeah. Handle your business. Oh, so what are the, 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 cause you're on, what is it? The worldometer? You said the worldometer? Worldometer. Um, what are the U.S.? Case numbers. Let's see here. U.S. case numbers, if I can get my computer to work. Total cases, 1.1 million. Uh, new cases, 18,000 since yesterday. Total deaths, 66,819. 1,066 new deaths since yesterday. Um, 162,000 people totally recovered. 920,000 active cases. 16,000 serious or critical. Wow. Total cases per 1 million in the population is 3,474. Mm-hmm. And then total deaths per 1 million in the population is 202. Total and tests, 6.8 million. Um, that's pretty good. And that's just the our nation? That's just America. Fuck, that's a lot of tests. Just the United States, 6.8 million. Um, <laughs> the it's next, only actually like 2% of the population. But still, it's still a lot. The next largest <laughs> after that is Russia at 39 and then after that is Germany at 2.5, Italy at 2.1, and then you have Spain at 1.5 million, Italy 1.1, France 1.1, Turkey 1.1. Interesting. Yeah. That's still, I mean, that's a lot of tests, man. You think about it. Fuck. Yes. And every they single also, one of those is done by um, a medical professional somewhere. That's and just the logistics of that, trying to think that through is insane. Yeah, there is not even a number for China as far as total tests done. Um, <laughs> they don't even have a number there. There's just nothing. Um, uh, of course. Yeah. 
And it's obvious, obviously, all those numbers that I just read, the several million are the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight countries as, um, as far as cases as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just to continue that line of logic, the countries that have done the most tests also, or the countries that have the most cases all seem to have done the most tests, you know? Yeah. So it's important. I just think that gets lost a lot, you know, when people are just talking about increasing testing and we're seeing all these new cases, you know, we've talked about that the last like four times that we've recorded is yeah. it's important to remember as testing increases, you will continue to see more new cases, you know, yeah. and it's going to be the same thing when they're doing the antibody tests, the yep. more people they're testing with the antibody tests, the more people they're going to find out had it or have it right now. It's those numbers are going to continue to go up. And that is a good thing to see. Yes. Because obviously those people have not circulated into the emergency healthcare system and they are either asymptomatic or have gotten it and gotten over it or whatever the hell portion of, you know, whatever part of that testing is being done, whether it's the antibody or the viral test, whatever it is. Right. But like the more cases we have, the death rate and the death count doesn't change. So that bottom denominator continues to grow while the death counts more or less stay static to what they've been and they continue to follow the trend lines up or down based off of right. whatever's going on. And so, yeah, it overall will bring that mortality rate of the virus down the more and more cases are found as more and more testing comes online. Right. But the problem with that is depending on how these states are measuring their reopening um, – gateways or um, I'm trying to think of another the phases word. Yeah. The phases, you know, when you can start to open up these things, a lot of them are trying to hold this, this amount of confirmed cases as the indicator of essentially, you know, you lower the amount of cases you're, you're receiving. So that allows you to open up and go to, into these next stages and whatnot. But as more and more testing comes online, you're going to have massive increases in in cases, even though the hospitalizations and the deaths won't go up with that, if that makes sense. Yes. And so if you have a state that essentially is looking at a, a bad metric, you know, it's like, what are we actually trying to count here? And <clears throat> How are you trying to justify numbers in cases as your ability to reopen segments of your economy? It just it, well, and I it think, seems to not make sense to me. I think especially because this is a new disease you know, or a new virus, you know, we're still constantly and consistently learning about it. Yeah. These numbers aren't going to be a true reflection or really even tell us that much until all of this is over. You know, yeah. like once it's all been sorted out and we can actually look at all the numbers and we've adjusted for everything and made sure we kind of have it pinned down, like then we'll understand what all of this means. But like you said, as the testing continues to go up and then the antibody testing and all these different types of treatments and everything comes out, it's going to fuck with all of the numbers that we're seeing until it's all over. You know, yep. it's this is just the best, like what do they call like aggregate data, you know, like it's mm-hmm. what we have now, but it's just... It's good for what we have now, but it's not the overall predictor or indicator of the deadliness of this disease or um, or anything like that. It's yeah. it's so it's so tough, you know. It is, and yeah, because we're dealing with a more or less a complete unknown that continues to evolve 
as time goes on. Right. And when I say evolve, it may, you know, the, the virus itself Not necessarily doesn't mutating, necessarily, right? Yeah. It's just our understanding of it and it's, and what it does to the human body, right. long term, short term, all that good stuff that continues to evolve as more and more data becomes available. Um, so kind of that being said, we, yeah, our, government shutdown order what you know most are calling the government shutdown order just got extended through the end of the month yeah and this was due yeah yeah yeah. kind of more or less to the fact that we have as a state determined we have laid out our reopening procedures um the the risk assessment factors they are deciding to use to determine when we can move into various stages of reopening so before we get into all of those, um, it was announced that essentially we, as Washington State, and I can only assume that Oregon and California will be do something similar since they decided to sign that uh, the coalition that joint deal. pact. Yeah, and I think Colorado's in it too. I think they added a couple more states to it. Thank you, baby. She just brought me a nice hot coffee. That was nice. Um, so I, I haven't Red looked Bull into those in yet. Here. So I'm kind of assuming there'll be something similar, but we're looking at a four-stage reopening, and I love the way that they're kind of laying this this out because they have these these little graphics, which they're calling the dials, and it's yeah, a series I've, of that one, two, three, I've seen four, it. Yep. five. Nevada uh, five and Colorado. Categories. Sorry, not to interrupt, but just before you we move on, Nevada and Colorado also joined the West Coast Reopening Alliance, is what it's called. The West Coast Reopening Alliance. Yeah. So what Nevada and Colorado this? are in there, along with California, Oregon, and Washington. Okay. I am both at the same That's time confusing. I am and am not surprised that Idaho is not in there because they're like so much more rural, you know? Yeah. But it's also like you're right there. You're right there. That's why, yeah. And we could talk about that a little later because that's kind of a general, like, there's something to, like, the state lines and all the states having the exact, you know, having independent metrics on how they want to reopen their states and all that. But yeah. unless all the borders are shut down and the states are essentially quarantined, like, having these state alone metrics doesn't necessarily make sense because you, you have open borders in states and other states aren't doing the same thing you're doing. So like you have a potential of intermixing and, and, and not having solid numbers, but especially because only certain day. states, like you said, are actually stopping people, you know, like it's like Florida and like two other states, I think down there in the Southeast that are actually stopping people from out of state and turning them around. Yeah. And I don't know that that's still happening, but it was for a while if it isn't now. So, and I think, and I'll have to look at this, but I think at least Washington State has some kind of guidance. If you come out of, if you come into the state from another one, you're supposed to go into a a, a two week self quarantine. Yeah, that and I believe most states are anything. doing that same thing. Yeah, and the, but the enforcement mechanism mechanism again is like, well, how can like you really know, do that, or just just throw some general guidelines out there? Like Rebecca know. moved to uh, one of the Carolinas to be with her boyfriend and she came back to like get her dog i think and then when they went back there she had to be quarantined for two weeks just stay in her own house not see him oh yeah yeah rebecca with the black dog yes i love that dog by the way that dog just turned three i think 
Yeah, because I remember when I was still working there when she got him, and he was like this tiny, cute, adorable little puppy. So I love little cute. lab puppies, man. They're yes. the cutest thing on the face of the planet. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about the bad news here. So we're going to go through these criteria real quick of um, the dials to show when we can enter various stages of the reopening. And then I'm going to go through and break down the different stages of the reopening and actually lay out a rough timeline to what a relative return to normal would look like as okay. far as like and i'll date. try and and i'll try and track your numbers as you're going over it to make sure that your math is correct okay and i uh i feel like i i watched when i watched that jay Inslee thing again this morning from his announcement on friday um towards the end of the q a i think there was a reporter that asked he was trying to call him out on his arbitrary deadline of the stay-at-home order um, by mentioning some of the the phase dates, and they relatively matched up with mine. So, yeah, yeah. you check my math on that one when we go through. And I think um, as far as discrepancy goes, right, because mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit before, the only thing I can think just to try and defend Jay Inslee, which makes me feel gross <laughs> just to say it um, – the Devil, only thing I – Yeah, the only way I can see that he might – not be lying or be able to say that he wasn't lying is like the date that he gave the end of may you could say that might be the end of the stay home stay healthy thing in the beginning of the reopening process you know Mm -hmm. but it's still like if things aren't opened up all the way then it's still technically part of i at least that's how we're all gonna see it you know whether or not that's what he's gonna call it we're still gonna all see it as we're under the stay at home order because we can't go and do whatever we want so And in his own metrics, um, the at least for the high risk populations, he keeps the stay home, stay healthy order in through phase three. Yeah, but it so doesn't address the rest of the populace, which is it's at best a half truth, you yeah. know. Um, so, anyways, let's talk about these fuck dials here. Uh, <laughs> so the main dial. Um, so the dial is the coronavirus a- dashboard. Yes, the coronavirus dashboard, which can be re- reached through the governor's um, website. Um, and you can see all the tiles and stuff that they do in their slideshows and all that good stuff. So you can check this out um, yourself and take a look at these. But they have this, it, you know, it's a dial. So it's a half arc going from low risk on one end to high risk on the other. And the main metric they're looking at is the COVID-19 disease activity. So this is the low and falling disease burden as measured by COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in Washington, rates of COVID-19 spread throughout the state, modeling data from IDM and the IHME, which I believe is that uh, UW one. And uh, there's another model, the, the, the Yu Yangu modeling um i probably butchered the, the pronunciation the yeah the yu yangu <laughs> model oh right the yu yangu model yeah <laughs> y-o-u-y-a-n-g <laughs> space g-u and i don't know whatever models are models let's just there's go there's a that daily one. <laughs> summary dashboard and a race ethnicity dashboard so yeah we can just look over those because we know they don't matter <laughs> 
Um, but it's at the last metric on that one, um, which really pisses me off, is the physical distancing adherence trends in Washington State. So in other words, they're using that location tracking data that they touted last time we got an extension as part of this model, this dial, right? And it's important to also understand when I talk about these dials, unless you're looking at them, you won't really see. There's no numbers as far as metrics goes. There is two metrics, low right. risk, high risk. Yeah, it's period. just a... Just so everything a, becomes subjective. Right. I'm going to actually um, post this on our story right now. Beautiful. Just put a little... Mm. So that's the main metric anyways. That dial is that COVID-19 disease activity. The next one is the healthcare system readiness measured by hospital beds, ICU capacity, ventilator numbers, and the state PPE procurement, um, both of which those two first dials are um, just going from blue as it shades into yellow and then before it goes over to red. So they're kind of like – if low risk was 0%, high risk was 100, we're sitting at about 40% on both of those. Um, and then the next one will be testing capacity and availability, the ability for everyone with COVID-19 symptoms and those with high risk exposure to be treated and tested immediately and measured by numbers of tests performed per day, testing capacity, including supply chain and speed. And that right now is sitting around 90% to the high risk. Um, the next one would be case and contact investigations, the ability to rapidly isolate those COVID-19, those with COVID-19 and identify slash quarantine their contacts measured by number of investigators trained and working. This is the quote, small army of, um, investigators that the governor keeps talking about the availability of isolation and quarantine facilities in active jurisdictions. I don't understand how you would measure that metric because I don't know of any actual quarantine facilities that we have. You just go home and stay in your house. Um, the percentage of cases investigated within 24 to, hours of receipt of the positive test report. Let me pause you real quick yep. because the only thing I can think as far as quarantine facilities is that when this started, um, which is something I want to talk about Mm -hmm. later when this whole thing is over, right? When this first started, Dow Constantine, who is the county executive, um, him and I think the local HUD department um, worked to purchase like a hotel and some houses and like some other shit like that, some mobile homes and stuff like that, that they moved to a place to quarantine people who didn't have a place to quarantine. And so maybe that's what they're talking about. Um, and, that would make sense. And so the reason, reasoning. right. And so something I've been asked since this started is, or something I've been asked about is like, isn't it weird that we've been having this huge homeless problem for years and years. And we've been talking about how we don't know where to put all these people. But yeah. in a matter of about five fucking seconds, we found homes for like several hundred people. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like temporary housing. Yeah. <laughs> almost it almost makes you wonder if uh, somebody's uh, motivations are skewed. Super weird, right? Right. Yeah. So okay. that's something that we'll talk about when the coronavirus thing is over. but mm -hmm. Or at least when phase one one or phase two is going on when we can stop talking about this shit yeah it's, that'll be a a nice topic yeah because then we'll at least have some contextual data about how they're actually using real life metrics to adjust these fucking dials of theirs yeah you know what i mean so there was there's two metrics in that last one i was talking about the case and contact investigation that i think i want to reread mm -hmm. um the first one being the 
percentage of cases investigated within 24 hours of a receipt of a positive test. And then the percent of contacts reached within 48 hours of receipt of that report. So that is the heavily laden you know, contact tracing portion of this. And, and even so right now, that, we're sitting at like 75% on the high-risk dial. Um, Yeah, like 65, I would say. Yeah. Because um, I, I pulled those up too. And so as far as the last two points, what it sounds like to me, I'll try and put it in layman's terms. You tell me if it sounds right to you. Mm-hmm. The percentage of cases investigated within 24 hours, because you were talking about that's the, contra- the contact tracing people yep. finding out that you have coronavirus and then asking you about what you've done, you know, in the last two weeks so they can try and find out uh, who you've been in contact with to talk to those people. So the percentage of cases investigated within 24 hours would be how many people they're able to contact within the first 24 hours of finding out that they have coronavirus, right? Yeah. And then the and then second the following one, two days. Yeah. And yeah. right. And then the percentage of contacts reached within 48 hours, which would be the amount of people they've been able to contact because of contact tracing within 48 hours, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because that also assumes that everyone who gets coronavirus is going to be willing to adhere to the contact tracing and tell you everything they've done over the last two weeks. Because you fucking bet that if someone starts asking me what I've done over the last two weeks, I'm going to tell them it's none of their fucking business. I'll inform those people myself and we'll figure it out. I don't need to be telling no one from the fucking government what I've been doing the last two weeks. I don't need to tell them who I'm seeing. None of that shit. And I think I would just like to just put this little piece of, you know, possible knowledge in your brain that that's assuming that our contact tracing is done 100% manually. Yeah. Not through some form of automated application. Right. Because they've already talked weeks ago. Jainsley started talking about using people's GPS information on their phones to decide where they were going around the state to try and dictate whether or not people were traveling too much. Yeah. And I want to talk more about contact tracing here in a minute, but I want to hit this last dial, the risk of vulnerable populations. So this is measured by the number of outbreaks in long-term care facilities per week and the demographic and equity data that comes with it. Um, And that right there is essentially you're looking at old folks home and then you're looking at, you know, all the, the, Racial and ethnic data and all that good stuff, too. You know, because there is some trending indicators that people of certain ethnicities are affected differently by the virus so far. But there are also reasons behind that. Yeah, there are reasons behind that that have been explained several times by – well, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks have talked about that several times as far as like the African-American community, that there's a high – there are higher rates of like diabetes and heart disease and shit like that in the African-American community, which would lead to – that's – I mean, those are uh, risk factors, you know, predetermined risk factors, which is going to give you a – higher likelihood for a negative outcome if you are to develop coronavirus. Yeah, so, but, but as know. we know, equity indicators like that, those equity categories, um, I would be concerned that the narrative that would come out of that type of statistical data would lead to some form of, you know, intersectional political problem certainly and that's what what i'm trying to cut against because it's important Um, no i i agree and that's what i'm trying to cut against it by cutting it off right not to stop you but to stop 
try for our listeners to stop that idea from forming that these demo this de- demo demographical data is that the right way to say it demographical yeah, I think so. is yeah. that it seems Sounds like right. that should be a seems like there should be a different word demographic but it's like demographic data yeah, demographic, uh, demographically. Either way, yeah, either way. <laughs> demographic, the demographic data has already been explained. You know, like, it's not like it's an unknown factor. Like, oh, that's so fucking weird. This is just a virus that, you know, black people and minorities are more likely to get. It's like, it's not just, you know, it's it's not just because. Like, there are reasons behind this. Um, and so that's... That's really all I'm trying to say is that this has already been explained, you know, however it gets spun after this, it's already been figured out. We already know why that's the case. There's not a question behind it anymore. So don't allow Jay Inslee, Dow Constantine, any other state or federal officials. It's probably come more from the states than the federal government because Fauci is the one that explained it. But don't allow any other officials or public figures to, you know, fuck with the way that this has already been broken down you know mm-hmm. the doctors who are working for their federal government especially dr fauci and dr burks i don't think have really any skin in the game as far as lying about what's going on you know they don't work for the federal government they're on the task force right now but they belong to other different organizations you know i mean that are federally funded but that's it's another yeah, everything like the, NIH, the national institute of health right but like like, my point is he doesn't yeah. work in the white house he's not yeah, they're part not of donald positions. trump's administration no he he yeah. works in the national institute of health and allergy and whatever the fuck and he's just part of this task force you know mm-hmm. it's we've seen him be honest when the president has lied several times now. He has no reason to be deceiving people. It doesn't yeah. behoove him to lie about this situation. And that's why he said it as much as I want to just put this out here, that this is why this is happening, you know? Before yeah. anything else comes out, before any other stories or, you know, anything like that, narratives, anything comes out, this is why this is happening. So I just want everyone, all the listeners, to be aware. You know, don't don't allow it to get messed with in your head. This is we already understand this data. Yeah. And I would like like a point when I was talking to my brother last night that came up, I think is interesting about as far as like Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. Um it's important to remember that like those people are not they're not experienced in the development of public policy. They know one thing and one thing only, what is best for what they call public health. Right. Which is a broad strokes term of essentially how do I, you know, by the numbers, by the book, how do we keep as many people in the nation as healthy as possible? Whether that works its way down to the actual public policy level may or may not match with what they say or what they want to do. But it's it's important, even though they're getting up there, well, not so much every day anymore, but when they're doing these things, like just because the doctors make a recommendation or they suggest something doesn't mean that at the end of the day, that's what the actual policy is going to look like at the end. And I feel like there seems to be some kind of disconnect between people's expectations with that. You know, if Dr. Fauci gets up there and says basically, yeah, no, I mean to save everybody to, to not have any deaths, we all just need to go inside and hang out. Because from a public health standpoint, that is a truism. But unfortunately, bringing that into the public policy level has drastic implications that 
you know, pros and cons need to be need to be weighed, trade-offs need to be had to to find the best overall path forward as a nation or as a state or what have you. And I think that just gets a little mixed up with when when the doctors say things on the the press briefings, they talk about what they would want to do or whatever. It's important to remember they're speaking purely from a public health standpoint, which is not in any way the same exact language somebody would use when speaking about a public policy in relation to the public health. So I don't know if that makes any sense at all when I talk about it, but yeah. um, it's just, you know, they, they don't make policy. They make recommendations to the administration on how they should enact a policy or create a policy that might best be suited to serve public health. And generally, you have to just hope that the administration listens to them, provided it's good advice, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because as far as it goes now, I would rather... I would rather Donald Trump form his policy off of what, you know, Fauci and Burks are saying and their team rather than if he was like, I'm going with the World Health Organization and we're going to go with what they're saying and form our policy mm-hmm. off of what their, you know, data is, uh, which is I'm not what he's thinking. doing. But in another, you know, any other president um, yeah. could have done that. They could have decided they're going to go with the World Health Organization standards as opposed to the CDC standards. So mm-hmm. it's there's just well, different and I'm ways coming at it from. From more of along the lines of, say, Dr. Fauci's advice versus Secretary of the Treasury's advice. <laughs> that right. type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. because there are there's there's two real things to look at there. I mean, the public health standpoint obviously is kind of a utopian idea. If everybody operated and we wanted the the most perfect public health system, period, it would involve everybody being a bunch of troglodytes staying at home, never coming in contact with anybody and not living human lives because that is the only way you can get to a net zero of any kind of viral spread anywhere. Yeah. But that's but you have to run that through the filter of, say, like the Secretary of Treasury or whoever the fuck's making economic policy because we all still need to try to live in the society that we have and to do that, it involves being and working in this giant amalgamation, which we call the economy. Yeah. And so there are real trade-offs that need to be had between both those worlds. And I think right now, especially we've been more or less staying more to the – we've been erring on the side of public health. Hence, everybody doing all the the shutdown orders. Shit, yeah. It's been um, six weeks since you and I recorded together and like seven yeah. weeks since everyone's had to stay home. Amen. And it's only going to get longer. Yeah. But we'll be able to get away with that. We're technically media. <laughs> we're fine. Yeah. Um, so, all that being said, um, what are what are your thoughts just on those dials, first of all? I know we kind of made a few little points in between there, but where are you at on – what's your opinion of using these metrics to – go through the various phases which we'll go through next uh well on our story i spoke for both of us our instagram story and i called them arbitrary and ill-defined um, sounds about right <laughs> and I, yeah so that's kind of my biggest problem is that like you said there's no numbers on here there's no indicators of where these dials are at just that there is low risk and high risk two mm-hmm. just polar extremes and we're just putting it somewhere in the middle you know there's no there's like I a, a color scale. Link, by the There's way. a color scale to it, you know, yep. so you can like try and decide. I don't know, but that just doesn't seem 
So I just sent you another link yes. um, to another page of the corona.wa.gov COVID page. Yes. Um, and they have a few hyperlinks in some of those. This is the one I actually have pulled up on my computer. Okay. And I clicked on that testing capacity um, PDF there, and it actually does show, at least as far as the testing is concerned, where we're at today versus where they want to get to, to oh, be, Lord. Okay. quote, fully supplied. So as far as the testing goes, current average test daily, we're sitting at uh, 4,650, but the governor wants us to get up to 22,233 tests Word. available so- per day. So I feel that, right? So at least that's I, one metric. I'm also trying to look at it through the lens of someone who isn't us, because while you and I are are going to be willing to open up these documents and read through them, if we because we actually give a shit enough to find yeah. out what How this means. How hard is it to throw some fucking numbers on those dials? It, right, because most people are not going to. Most people are going to come and they're going to look at this website. And it seems like it's designed fairly well, like you said, with the hyperlinks, they're right there. All you got to do is click on it and you can read that information if you really want it. But for the people that were seen on the internet that people are listening to people on facebook and shit like that you know the doctors that i was or the doctor that i was talking about they're the ones that are sharing this page and saying look at how bullshit these dolls are you know and stuff like that and it's this is what's allowing them to do that is well from a technical standpoint and from a media standpoint you can say that this is a pretty good website from a regular person they're not going to go and click on all of these things and maybe even understand all of what's in there you know it's yeah. These are dials that have two polar ends, and for people who feel two very different polar opposites about this situation, you know, it seems like it perhaps provides an oppor- could provide an opportunity for either of their opinions to become more inflamed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess that's my biggest concern, especially when you're looking at the types of rallies and protests that are going on in Michigan and shit like that and the way that they're being covered. You know, we're two weeks out from the protests that happened in Olympia, well, you know, here. Um, and I almost said they happened in Olympia two weeks ago, but I just fucking said that. Um, and, <laughs> and like that, from what I recall, wasn't, I'm sure there was some people with guns, but it wasn't like a, as big of an arm deal as it was in Michigan, you know? Yeah, um, that was so, wild. So I think it was covered a little bit better. It was still covered generally as these are a bunch of people getting together because they don't want to stay at home. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's... Yeah, and it's, I want to talk a little bit about those um, kind of that, that protests and whether or not we're going to see more. I think it's going to be a matter of if not when we're going to see more. Yeah. Considering the lockdown orders. But I want to get through these phases real quick. Yes. And then go over the timeline. So there are four phases that are laid out. Phase one, which we are not currently necessarily in as of yet. Um, phase one includes – so there's multiple categories. Do you have this page? I can send that one to you real quick via the Facebooks. I can find it. That way you can – okay. Um, let's see. Where did I go? There it is. Uh, so phase one. The high-risk populations um, continue to stay home, stay healthy. Recreation, um, some outdoor recreation such as hunting, fishing, golf, boating, hiking. Some restrictions will be lifted on those. Gatherings, um, still none. And a drive-in spiritual service, a.k.a. religious church service, with one household per vehicle will be permitted. Travel is only listed as essential travel only. You said a drive-in spiritual service? Yeah. So in other so words, like, like you can go to the parking lot and they can do it outside. That's kind of what, yeah, a lot of people have been trying to do that where a church 
everybody goes to the parking lots or they go to a vacant lot somewhere and everybody drives in and I don't know how they're listening or what, but you know, there's ways you can get around it if you really tried to. Yeah. Um, where that's everybody's being safe and shit, you know, and that's good. You know, people, I, I have a soft spot in my, in my heart for religious gatherings because I think they're incredibly important to social fabric and so on and so forth. And not to mention a basic human right. Um, so, I'm down with doing whatever we can to make sure those can go forth. But um, as far as businesses and employers in phase one, it's essential businesses are open existing construction um, that meets uh, as an agreed upon criteria, which is what has allowed me to go back to work this past week. Um, so some constructions coming online, landscaping, automobile sales, curbside pickup orders only at retail will be able to happen, car washes, house cleaning, pet walkers. And all of those come with a caveat of they have to meet a specific criteria um, as, as far as sanitation and health. And health. safety guidelines. Right. So um, we'll just do this as we go through the timeline, I think, because it'll be quicker to do that. So we can only truly begin to get into phase one. According By to the May 15th, there gets, will be protocols in place for changes in phase one, like reopening yes. curbside retail landscape and car washes. Yeah, because he is assuming that his small army, in his own words, of um, contact tracers will be in place by mid-May, which I just determined to be – yeah, you said May 15th, right? Yeah. That's what this okay. article says, yeah. And yeah, and I think that article came out right after he did the, the announcement. Um, so – Assuming that all happens with on March 15th, he because stated the, that there will be – Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Because uh, the phases are guy. generally, at least when they're spoken about by like when the federal government laid out their phases, they were talking about them kind of in two-week chunks. Um, but that's yeah. like – it, ideally, you know, ideally, yeah. if everything goes perfectly, then we can just kind of run through these two weeks at a time. Um, and yeah. so May 15th. And I think we might have talked about those. The last. Because that's the White House guidelines. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what all these state ones are being based off of is the federal yeah. ones. Um, yeah. And so if if it starts on May 15th, then we're talking about phase one starting that day. Right. Um, yes. And then. Hopefully, two weeks from that day, phase two will start. And see, that's where you're wrong, my friend. Uh. Be- because the one of the major differences between our phase program and the federal government's phase pro- pro- uh, phased program is the difference in a two-week waiting period and a minimum, as our governor said, a minimum of a three-week period between phases. Oh. Yeah. So we got an extra week tacked on in ours. And that was in his uh, address last yeah. week? Oh, yeah. And he okay. was very, very heavy on the minimum. And he said it, mu- it might be much longer than that. Because, again, mm-hmm. we have to make sure all those dials that he's, he has there are, are all the way down to the low risk. So and let's we're not even there yet. A month, right? I mean – that's well, I'm going best case scenario because it still puts us into the middle of the fucking summer. Best case. So okay. let's go through the timeline. If we started phase one, May 15th, and everything is great, three weeks from then puts us to June 8th. 
Well, I'm actually, I guess I should caveat that. May 15th is a Friday, so I'm assuming the entrance to Phase 1 would essentially take effect Monday the 18th. So I'm giving us a, a weekend. So I might be off by a couple days if everything goes perfect. So that puts us at June 8th uh, to enter Phase 2. Now, Phase 2, the for high-risk populations, the order stays in effect. Recreation, all outdoor recreation involving fewer than five people outside your household, including some camping and beaches, etc., will be reopened. Gatherings with no more than five people outside your household per week will be allowed. Limited non-essential travel within proximity of your home will now be allowed. Um, businesses and employers <laughs> remaining manufacturing new construction in home domestic services such as nannies and house cleaning retail in-store purchases allowed with restrictions real estate professional services slash office-based business teleworking remaining strongly encouraged hair and nail salons barbers restaurants at uh, no greater than 50 percent table capacity with no more than five people at a table and so and then we do three weeks of that yeah, damn. So that's that puts hopefully us the to, eighth. Because I just had to have Jordan yeah. shave my head yesterday. Oh yeah, because it, oh yeah. So you got a you got, got basically so a a month and a a little over a month before you can Shit. maybe go get a haircut. Um. So now let's assume everything's perfect, and we go another three weeks before we get into phase three. And that, that puts us to warm. June twenty ninth. Yep. Right. Okay, and then phase three, high-risk populations can you stay home, stay healthy. The outdoor group recreation sports activity, five to 50 people will be allowed. Recreational facilities at no greater than 50% capacity, i.e. public pools and the like will be Gyms allowed. Gyms and shit like that? Yep, I think. I'm assuming that's part of recreational facilities at 50% capacity, but don't know. Um, gatherings... Um, Allowing gatherings up to no more than 50 people. Travel, resume non-essential travel in phase three. That's like three. small concerts. In phase three, we're talking about yeah. you could maybe have some small music venues opening up. But even then, they would still well, they, have to – They speak to, to those directly in phase four, but I would assume that there would be some places that can get away with right, it. Right, because I'm thinking if you – Concert venues aren't all giant No, locally like the Charleston, right? Like down on Charleston yeah. and Bremerton, that's a super small venue. El Corazon in Seattle, the Showbox, Showbox Soto, you know, like that's a – that's it would hold mm -hmm. more than 50 people, but it could hold 50 people if you're keeping within the social distancing guidelines that they're going to continue to require at this time because like you said all these businesses yep. have to maintain these health and safety guidelines that are being laid out which still means the six foot and like all of this shit so oh, yeah. you could maybe have some medium to small small to medium sized music venues that are able to to cooperate with those guidelines that's fucked yeah and that's still that's only on a and that's technical the end basis. Of June. Whether or not that's realistic, yeah. And that includes for businesses, restaurants operating at no greater than seventy five percent capacity with no more than ten people at a table. Bars now at twenty five percent capacity. Or less. So I don't know how you factor in bars and restaurants, but hey, whatever. Um, indoor gyms at fifty percent capacity okay. in phase three. So there's the gyms. Uh, movie theaters at fifty percent capacity if they're still around. Um, government buildings oh, um, still, still with telemarketing encouraging. Um, the libraries, museums, all other business activities not yet listed except for nightclubs and events with greater than fifty people. Shit. 
Yeah, I wonder if amusing. Then we go to phase four. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So then we go to phase four. Or giving giving that three weeks, blah, 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 blah. Then from the June 29th, three weeks later, we enter phase four on July 20th, the day before my birthday. Um, And that's when resume public interactions with physical distancing still in place. So even in phase four, social distancing is still a thing. We resume all recreational activities, allow gatherings of greater than 50 people, continue non-essential travel, and then nightclub, concert venues, large sporting events, resume unrestricted staffing of work sites, but continue to practice physical distancing and good hygiene. Now you run that for another well, three everyone weeks. Everyone should should and, practice good hygiene all the time. Let's just say that yeah. before we continue. Yes, right. And so let's run one, that one through the three week process. Everything is great, two, three. and that good means our God, August. Yeah, 10th. you saw it. The earliest return to normal date in our state, according to our guidelines, okay. is August. 10th. So I have my work. There calendar are some caveats to that out. too. And so I'm going to write that down on August 10th right now so that Ooh, when we roll perfect. around to August 10th and whatever day after that we're going to record, we can see how close this matches to what phase we're in and how far we are in this process. Boom. Good. Okay. Love Potential it. Potential state reopen. That's what I'm going to write. Isn't that wild to think about? Because that is so... It's that's five. That's three, four months from now, essentially. Wow. I mean, May, June, July, August. That's three months solid, and that's assuming everything is popping exactly where it should be, and everything happens the quickest way possible. Jesus, which is not exactly enlightening, because Jay Inslee has been sitting there crying that the federal government hasn't gotten more testing. Um, capability to us for weeks now. He's been he's been crying about not having testing capacity, and, and the federal government has promised we're going to get it, we're going to get it, we're going to get it. So we don't even know when we can actually start our three week cool down. We'll call it from phase one. So yet. let me address that real quick, right? Because he also talked about the testing um, in the last press conference, and the last time you and I recorded, I was asking about the Abbott machines, right? Why are we not yeah. using more Abbott machines instead of the Roche machines? So he said um, that the Abbott machines have a slightly higher rate. Of what a false positive rate. Um, and so yeah. that's why he's like, he's, uh, what apprehensive to use those machines. Um, and mm. I'm sorry, I didn't take my official this morning and I feel it right now. Um, oh, yeah, brain's not, he's missing the cylinder. And so, but the reason I thought that was interesting is because when this whole thing started, and I, I keep fucking saying that, but it's, it's, it keeps making me think that all the stuff that's happening now keeps making me think back to the beginning. When this first started, all of the governors, including Jainsley, because he's been on the testing thing since the very beginning, gave President yeah. Trump a whole heap of shit for not taking the tests that were available from the World Health Organization. But President Trump said that he didn't take those tests because they had a higher likelihood of providing false positives and false negatives. And so explain mm-hmm. to me now why the same logic does not apply to a machine that could greatly increase the output of testing in this state if we were to use machines. And he's talking about acquiring ab machines. But the way that Dr. Burks explained it is that this is the same machine that's used to test for strep throat. 
so we don't need to purchase or acquire hundreds of new ABBA machines. They should be all over the fucking place in pediatric doctor's clinics. So why, like, what's what's the disconnect? Or at the here? very least, the private labs yeah. that do all the blood work and everything for our doctors right. and shit. I mean, you know? I, I like I know that um, the when I did have a primary care physician, they had some testing machines there in house and there was other stuff they sent out. And so Mm -hmm. I like, I got to imagine there's at least some doctor's clinics that were, that one was in Harrison hospital. And so in their own little suite or whatever in Harrison, they had, you know, a couple little testing machines. So I got to imagine that that's not uncommon, that places like that would have those ABBA machines already. So why are we Mm -hmm. not just authorizing the people that already have the machines to run the test or at least go and take the machines, go fucking take them and put them in a lab where they are authorized to run the tests? Like what's I don't understand the disconnect in this logic. If they're running the tests in 15 minutes, why are we not smashing the ABBA machines and the Roche machines? Like the Roche machines do more tests at one time, but they also take like six times as long. So why are we not fucking smashing the ABBA machines? I don't get it. Well, if you were talking to my brother, like I was last night, he says, you're missing the point. And I, it's kind of conspiratorial, but there's a lot of people that say, um, so again, I'm just going to, I want to throw this out Let's there. Let's hear it, bro. This is about all this angles. This is not 100%. This is not totally legit. This is just some people's opinion that I'm hearing <laughs> is that part of the reason is because we don't necessarily, uh, on a governmental level, they don't necessarily have our reopening and our, you know, the returning of our civil liberties and all this stuff at the forefront of their mind. Right. They're not necessarily concerned with that. They like the they like the power that they have. You know, that's I think that's a pretty common narrative that's developing. Certainly um, once they have whether a freedom or not you strip, they it. don't like to give it back. You know? That's no. why the Patriot Act is still exists in many ways. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's you know the FISA courts still are still why we operating. Have to take our belts and our shoes off every time we go to the airport yeah. and strip down basically naked. It's the same reason why I don't believe that these, you know, quote unquote financial aid checks or stimulus checks or whatever you call them, I don't think they're going to go away anytime right. soon. That might, that might be UBI right there, which of course that's the way this nation would adopt UBI in some emergency social program that just never goes away. <laughs> Right, because I've but heard everything from one more check to, you know, $2,000 checks for the next six to ten months. You know, I've yeah. seen all of those different theories as far as what phase four is going to look like. And then also, no, we're just going to pass a fat infrastructure package and give everyone a job, mm-hmm. you know. Just like, yeah. what's the fucking and difference? And I would like when- to know, if we're talking about that, this longer period of essentially, you know – uh I'm just going to use a word. It's it's a, no implication, but like a government dole out. Yeah. Um, if that continues for a longer period of time, I would like to know where the money is come from, coming from, and I would like to know how our currency isn't 
going to be incredibly inflated. I don't know how our currency isn't incredibly inflated right now, considering the drop of oil prices and, and the, the one and a half trillion extra out. dollars they yes. added to the economy. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. I don't know. And I the only way why is nobody talking? The about only that? way I can it, it should work like that. The only way I can think that it didn't immediately devalue the shit out of our currency is that the rest of the world is also struggling, and so they're just not as concerned about the value of the dollar you know um yeah. like everything else we're is trading buying our so own poorly fucking bonds right yeah. now we're buying our own bonds we're buying our own food we're buying a lot of our own shit you know it was like mm-hmm. at least two weeks ago that i heard them talking about pairing up with the fda and the agriculture department and the agriculture department was going to start buying millions of dollars worth of produce and food that they were going to then donate to different food banks around the country because it was shit that was going to go spoiled because they couldn't process it. And so they're just going to buy it all up and then donate it. That's happening all the time. We're buying our own stuff just to keep our companies afloat. But other countries are having to do the same thing. So I think it's going to depend on how long we stay closed compared to other countries. Because if we're one of the last ones to open up and we're still just pumping billions of dollars into the economy eventually some of those other countries china maybe in particular i don't know they might be hesitant to speak out too much now but you know other countries are going to start to question like how are you guys going to continue to operate like this because your dollar doesn't mean anything to us anymore like it's you have way too much of it it doesn't it's going to be like in those weird african countries where people are walking around with wheelbarrows full of cash to buy a bag of fucking rice you know it's just it's not going to matter anymore and that's that's what i i this is that concept is one aspect of why i believe like it's incredibly disingenuous right now t- for the media we'll just say to not be talking about what this is doing to us long term yeah because you know everybody's like well we might have a recession no 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 we we, <laughs> we, we may not it's not going to be we might have a recession definitely no we might have a depression worse than the great depression yeah. that's where my mind is at and i don't i would love for somebody to throw a bunch of stats at me and say this is why i am wrong but I don't believe I am wrong on well, especially this. I think we are terminably fucked. We're at ten percent unemployment, of it. and there's still people waiting in the queue. Like it's not like oh, yeah. it's not like it's just more people losing their jobs. There's more people waiting from seven weeks ago to try and collect unemployment. Like that's still happening. There are millions oh, yeah. of more people unemployed than are being represented federally and it's not because the federal government is trying to lie it's because it the system is not big enough to process the amount of unemployment that currently exists in this country it's not made it's it's fucking unfeasible it's it's the it's the social media problem. Yeah. It's impossible for the government to operate in the capacity that it's trying to at scale. It's never been attempted before. You're, I mean, this is we. These are some of the growing pains that we would experience if we went full blown socialist. It's it's this are these are lessons to take into the future about why we cannot have total government control because they can't do it. Have you seen? They're completely incapable of doing. Have you it. seen that meme? That's like, uh, 
I want to thank the U.S. government for its 30-day free trial of socialism, but I'd like to cancel my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, but that sounds amazing. I'll try and find one and send it to you. Yeah, it's, oh, that's it's really funny. And there are so many people that are still just trying to hammer home about, like, how does this not solidify for you that we need nationalized medicine and, you know, all this stuff to be nationalized? Like, because look at you still don't have money. Like, you're unemployed and you still don't have money. And for some reason, you're saying you want the federal government to run more things. And I don't don't get how anyone's getting there. <laughs> I don't. The, I don't either. Man. I can kind it's, maybe of it's understand just a feel good thing. the healthcare thing because then it's all set out to begin with. But it that doesn't change. Like it's not like if we go to health or Medicare for all, we're gonna also build nine hundred more hospitals just because we're on Medicare for all. Like the infrastructure yeah. is the same. You know, as the way that it sits, the actual physical infrastructure is the same. So the same problem would arise. Even if we all had the same insurance, it wouldn't be any different. We would maybe not be as worried about the cost, but that got taken care of in the end anyway. People still might be walking out with bills or something like that. But in six months, it will get washed through your insurance because it's being federally mandated that you don't have to pay for any of this. So all these people still walking. Well, I walked out with a thousand dollar bill. Do you not understand how this works? Like it's still yep. an insurance company. You know, they're paying for it, but it's still insurance. There's you're still yep. going to sit and look at a thousand dollar bill until they're done processing it. And because there's hundreds of thousands of other people also trying to do the same thing, it's going to take a little while. It's like yeah. not everyone's going to get picked up when they leave the hospital. Just a flaw of insurance. That will happen whether the federal government runs it or a private company runs it. It doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. Which illustrates really just people's disconnect with how convoluted our healthcare system really yeah. is and how and if you really took the time to start looking into it, you'd realize that, you know, the reason we have these overrunning you know, I don't these runaway healthcare costs are due to insurance involvement and government involvement in the insurance system you know every time the federal government gets involved in any kind of institution we have look at colleges look at hospitals all these different things costs skyrocket through the fucking roof because on the other end somebody is going to be raising a price because their government subsidy that they're getting for that will be a greater sum of money if their initial cost to the consumer is higher. Right. This is why when you if you look at an insurance bill, right? If you get you know, like those things that show up in the mail and freak everybody out where they say this is not a bill the explanation on of there, benefits. Yes, there you go. That's exactly it. And it's like eighteen thousand yeah. dollars and you went in and had a fucking chest X ray. But you're liable to pay eighty dollars of it and your insurance company is gonna cover sixty percent of that and the rest of it is either a loss or it's getting subsidized by the state or federal government. Right. Which is insane. But anyways, that's the way that's just an, an illustration of some of the problems that we can we can actually get a picture of now that we're having to rely on this convoluted system and we can take that information into the future if we were smart and we can reform a system to make it work better for the consumer and the business owner and so on and so forth. But I wanted to get back to this Off point. Off um, county commissioner. Boom, baby. I would never do that. Uh, 
<laughs> there was a caveat I spoke about earlier with the reopening. Yes. As far as our state goes. Caveat. And this is because the governor has has determined that there are right now 10 different counties in our state. Um, ooh, this will be fun. Pop quiz, Donovan. How many counties make up Washington State? And no Google cheating. You're on the pod. Your integrity is at stake. I just said pod. Oh, my God. I hate myself Did so you, much. Well, you just said 10, right? Well, there's 10 counties that are that may be able to file for an exemption oh, okay. to the st- okay. to the phase rules or they can okay. they can get through um, the phases faster. I'm going to say do, 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 do. Wild guess. Nine? Not, no, 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 no. Like total counties that we have in the state. Um, I'm, I'm confusing you. I'm sorry. No, I said I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> nine counties? Yeah. In the entire state? Is that, is that not, that's too few? That's way too few, buddy. Is it like 20? It's almost double 20. What? It's thir- we have 39 counties in Washington state. Are you fucking serious? Yes, sir. And ten of those counties, um, How do they've we identified have right now. Nine counties. Oh, because there's a. Okay, so just since you got your computer, I Google was Washington off. County. Map. I was off by thirty. Good God! There's a surprising number of them. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the ten counties. Um, yeah, and we'll I'm like, I know my state so well. Good God! Right. I'm such an <laughs> asshole. So the ten counties Holy you identified shit. basically have. A, a small enough and more, you know, widespread rural population where their numbers as far as COVID-19 cases and whatnot are so insignificant compared to other more populated counties that they're letting them apply through their local um, county health departments for exemptions and allow them to speed up the process going through the phases. So those counties so include small. Columbia County. Garfield County, um, our neighbor, Jefferson County, Lincoln County, um, Pondera County, um, Skamania. Oh, shit. I knew I wasn't going to be able to pronounce this. It's like Waukecum, Waukecum County, Kittitas County, Ferry County, and Grays Harbor Pacific County. Pacific County. This is... Yeah, well, there's a Pacific I County. I had yep. no idea. But I guess I learned I'm, yesterday a lot of new county names that I didn't know existed. I guess I'm just <laughs> I'm not gonna a lie. typical... Western Washington, Chinner. All I think about is just the West Side. The whole East Side is it's just PNW or die, right? Yeah, the whole East Side is just Moses Lake. That's all that I saw. <laughs> Everything over there is Moses Lake. <laughs> I always looked at it as like, okay, well, there's Chelan County, and then there's like Spokane County, and then there's like the desert in the Southeast. Damn, That's I didn't realize I how fucking it. far Spokane was from here. All yeah, it's way the, That's all the way over there. Pend yeah, Oriole most of the counties County. are what like the fuck. Yeah, they're the super rural ones, like in the southeast of the state, the northeast County? of the state. What the fuck? Um, yeah, there's yeah, it's some interesting ones. Um, Jefferson County is our our closest, obviously right across the Hood Canal Bridge there on the Olympic Peninsula. Um, we have which is only like the middle of the Olympic County. That's so yeah. stupid. Well, you know, they're native names, I believe. So I'd be careful there, no. intersectional man. PC. Whoops. <laughs> Keep it PC, Donovan. Come that's on. Dumb. You even PC, bro? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's 
25% of the state, um, as far as counties goes, may be able to speed their way through this process. Well, but they're still going to have to hit all the metrics, um, maybe an adjusted number of those metrics, but they still have to go through those phases. And there'll be little test cases, too, to see how things pop off after that. Yeah. Um, so I think – that took a while, but that's basically the breakdown of where we're at on our current state – you know, stay at home, shutdown order, whatever you want to call yeah. it, and our reopening plan. So at the very earliest, I see August 10th. Realistically, I will probably assume that that's, if I had to put a guess on it, it would be we'd go all the way till September 1st Jeez. when we would open. That would be my guess, given a little bit of wiggle room here and there. Once we kind of get in through like the first two phases, I think it'll be a pretty quick process and we'll just roll through it after that. But who knows? There's still so many things unknown about the virus. Who knows what's going to happen? We still don't know if there's a reinfection rate. We, we still don't know if that exists, how prevalent it is, um, what the symptoms may be like the second time around if you can get it. I mean, there's so many unknowns here. We still don't know the long-term health effects. If, you know, if this thing is very pneumonia-based, you know, pneumonia does long-term damage to your lungs. Right. And if you get it, you know, you can usually get pneumonia a couple times throughout your life and be fine at the end of the day. But there's always scarring involved in some capacity. And depending on how severe the pneumonia is, you might have a debilitated, you know, lung function for the rest of your life, which is probably going to shorten your life expectancy, which is a side effect of, a, of this virus that people aren't going to be looking at for another probably 10 years. Well, and it's, and not, it's not too early to to have these conversations because while what we've laid out is what's happening locally, there are still some states that are already starting to open up, you know, Georgia and Florida, like in Georgia, they were doing the barbershops and shit like that and all kinds of other stuff in Florida, like the beaches opened up and whatnot. So there are other states doing things differently. Um, Obviously our state is going to be more conservative when it comes to things like this. They're going to be a little more careful um, just by virtue of how things operate here. But which, slightly side note, it's funny that you would use the word conservative in its proper form <laughs> like that when I was thinking politically that it's not a conservative notion I know. for the shutdown stuff, which is hilarious. Because um, you're using the, the word contextually properly. It's right. just in our fucked up world we live in, it sounds funny to say that. And so we're going to see you know, some of these questions be answered possibly sooner in other states than it's happening here. Yeah. You know, if... If yeah. it is too early to start doing this stuff, we're going to see that pretty quick come in Georgia and Florida and the other states that are doing that. Um, but if we could have started sooner, we're also going to see that by virtue of states like us and the whole Western pack states that are waiting, you know, extended periods of time for things like this to happen. So um, I think that that's. That's very interesting. Um, and some of these states like Michigan, right? That's probably a good time to talk about this. We can talk about the, um, the protests here as well. Um, but in some states like Michigan in particular, there are larger protests that are happening. We had protests here two weeks ago in Olympia that was pretty chill, didn't seem to be a big deal. We also haven't yeah. seen a huge, uh, like uptick in cases, you know, since that happened two weeks ago. So that's, obviously works in favor of the argument of the protesters that they know how to keep themselves safe. They don't need the federal or the state government to tell them how to do so. Um, yeah. I am honestly concerned about more of those things happening the longer this takes. I mean, August 10th is a long ways away. 
That's a long time for people, everyone to be able to go back to work. You know, if you own a music venue or a club or something like that, and you have to wait until phase four, I mean, that was a lot of stuff that people have to wait for until phase four. Um, Oh, yeah. That's That's a lot. That's a long, long time to try to float a business that is just hemorrhaging cash. Yeah. Until you have to reopen, you know, and there's things that nobody is talking about right now, but with like, say the moratorium on evictions, um, commercial and residential, what happens to those landlords once we reopen? Do, are they going to take those, those lost months and put it to the back end of the loan? Because that, ha- you know, that's something that they will have to deal with their debtors before they can pass that on to their, their tenants. Right. You know, nobody knows how that's going to work. Nobody's going to, no banking institution is just going to write off four months of mortgage payments because the government said so. That money is going to get back to them at some capacity. But I just, no, we can't have that conversation yet because for one, we don't know how many businesses will be there at the end of August or the beginning of August. Right. We'll say. Right. And that's something you I know? was thinking about as we're talking about phase four. And I don't, I don't know why the, like the music venues is something that keeps sticking in my head. Um, but that, that's something that doesn't open until phase four. That was one of the things, nightclubs, concert venues, large sporting events. So, you know, yeah. we have these large corporations that are going to be able to get loans and stuff like that through the federal government. And, music clubs you know that maybe they could get ppp loans uh to be able to get their payroll going but you still have all these bills that you have to pay to maintain your venue and maintain your uh your real estate you know yeah your location until all of this is over i don't know how they're gonna get that done how they're expected to get that done if you're a small venue like the charleston like Mm -hmm. like el corazon like the showbox that was already at risk of of closing down not too long like what what are you supposed to do i are you are the federal government gonna step in and just wipe all of that away is the state government just gonna wipe that all until john tell you not to worry about and we saw that in other countries in italy and stuff like that where they were halting people's mortgages halting people's uh their utilities and stuff like that like you just don't have to pay for it don't worry about it we're just gonna keep it going all you really need to worry about is food you know, is that something yeah. that we're going to look into here? Because that's another socialist leaning policy to just we're nationalizing this because, it, it, like you said, in some way, the money's got to get figured out, whether someone pays yeah. for it or the debt just gets wiped away and the company just eats it. But that gets forgiven somehow. You know, it has to go somewhere. It can't just disappear. Yeah. So who eats that? Who eats that cost? And. If you're talking about the federal government doing it, then you're talking about in a certain, maybe it's extremist, but in a certain sense, nationalizing every company, every industry in the United States in order to keep them all afloat. And I, that's a hard thing for me to try and conceptualize. Because I don't think you can to be, we've seen a systemic failure in just trying to get people fucking money, just hard cash in people's pockets so they can afford to keep paying bills and buying groceries while they're perpetually unemployed. And that's, they're having a hard enough time doing that. What makes us think that they'll be able to do that in the long term? 
or address any of the finite issues that'll come out of that. I mean, we, I have this expression that we, you know, I used to say, and I, I definitely didn't come up with it, but there's that old term that in the, the, the hospitality industry, there's no such thing as a free lunch, yes. right? It's because no matter what happens, whether you're sitting down and eating this lunch without paying anybody, somebody is paying for that somewhere. And no matter what happens, there's no free lunches. There's no such thing as free services. There's no such thing as free money. Everybody's time is worth something. Every There is a finite cost to everything. Right. So we've seen... And we may not like to think about it, but those bills will come due at some point. And in point. order to try and combat that, um, I don't know if you have seen, but I've seen in some states, in some places, either companies just continuing to operate. Like I know Jay Inslee was asking people to call and report businesses that were operating that shouldn't be. Um, and in yep. other states, I've seen businesses operating and having whether they asked for it or not somehow there ends up being people outside of the business defending it you know i've seen armed people outside of businesses defending them so that if police show up they can try and try and help this business continue to operate um and that's Mm -hmm. a that's weird you know it's weird it is weird to again i don't want to continue but like to to try and conceptualize that, that there are people yeah. with arms outside of a small business to ensure that it can operate is fucking weird. That's, you know, where they do that, where I personally experienced that was in Russia. That's the way all the, all the, any major store in Russia had armed guards on the inside and on the outside dressed in plain clothes. That's the kind of thing that you would and see. That Mind is you, exactly that's a, that's what a mafioso I've, yeah, type of tactic. But, but that's still exactly um, what we've seen here. Um, I don't like. Yep. I don't know if you've seen those pictures, uh, but there's like a one salon in particular. I wish I'll look it up real quick. Um, hair salon armed. Well, while you're looking it up, um, I've been paying attention to a lot of the what's happening in New York City because I have an interest in what happens there, uh, obviously, and. <clears throat> they have, you know, it all started, I think, last week, last weekend, with that funeral for a Jewish rabbi in the Hasidic community in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, that essentially took to the streets and did kind of their usual funeral ceremony and stuff like that. And they were the, you know, the cops had to come and break it up. And now, due to that, there are, there is a massive police presence in Williamsburg to kind of make sure those things don't happen, which for the Jewish community in New York is a, you know, a pretty big red flag historically. So a lot of people start to get concerned. Um, and then just yesterday, Bill de Blasio and the, um, the NYPD chief were talking about how this weekend, because apparently they're supposed to have nice weather this weekend, the police department is going to be out in force to break up crowds and ensure that people are adhering to social distancing and mask wearing. Mm. And it's starting to get very, very... I have a very, very uneasy feeling about which direction that might go. So, And since there's so many people and the police force is so active in everybody's lives in New York, I think it's a pretty good test case to watch yeah. for how this kind of uh, draconian authoritarianism um, plays out to enforce some of these, these, these lockdown standards. And so the 
and it doesn't the look place good. that I was thinking of is in Texas, um, of course, and of course it is called <laughs> Salon a la Mode, um, and God bless there Texas. was some dudes standing outside of the hair salon with some ARs, um, and they have they look like they have some chest plate carriers. One dude has plate carrier on, and one guy just has like a magazine vest, um, and they have some face masks on. And they were outside saying that they were there to protect the constitutional rights of the business wanting to open. And when asked who they were, they identified themselves as Duncan Lemp. Do you know this name? No. Uh, I'm familiar with this name from some of the... How do I want to put this? The man killed by officer was asleep when police fired. Yeah, so I know of Duncan Lim because of some of the research that I do for the podcast that probably leans in a more darker conservative light. Um, and so Duncan Lim, yeah, it has has become a figure for you know the Boogaloo movement um, as mm-hmm. far as the suspicious circumstances <sighs> in which his life was taken. Yeah. Um, a Maryland man was shot and killed by a police officer was asleep in his bedroom when police opened fire from outside his home. An attorney for the 21-year-old man's family said Friday the man's yeah. girlfriend was also wounded. I remember hearing something about yeah. this. Yeah, and so they said they were there to serve a warrant for some gun charges um, because he was yes. a criminal, wasn't supposed to have a gun, and did. And uh, instead of Very knocking of on the Ridge. door to serve the warrant, they shot through his bedroom and killed him. Because that fucking makes yep. sense. Jesus because Christ. they weren't yeah, sure. That's very reminiscent of the Ruby Ridge story. Uh, yes, yes, right. Because that was all about like a minor. You know, so check this. A, I actually just federal misdemeanor. I actually level just told charge. Jordan all about this because this week we watched Waco, the Netflix. Like, yeah, oh, so yeah. we watched that. Um, which I can't wait to talk to you about the federal government when we're in person because I'm not going to do it on our <laughs> podcast. But um, <laughs> you're afraid you're going to hit all. It's watch not good. Somewhere um, there, and so I was telling Jordan all about Ruby Ridge because part of the people, some of the people involved in Waco, were also involved at Ruby Ridge. So I was explaining that mm-hmm. whole story. So Ruby Ridge. Um, was, so for somebody who hasn't seen it real yes. quick, did they talk about Ruby Ridge like in that? They series? didn't explain it a whole lot, but there are okay. scenes from that. Like they, it's like a back uh, flashback to it. Um, and so there's okay. like, yeah, because somebody else was telling me about that, and Ruby Ridge had excellent. come up right before they started talking more yeah, about Waco. Excellent. And, I was like, and okay. so Ruby Ridge was uh, a man and his family moved up to the top of a mountain in Idaho in northern Idaho, like real close to Canada. And he was coming into contact with, but was not directly affiliated with white supremacist groups that operate in that area. There was an undercover ATF agent in one of those white supremacist groups who got this guy uh, to, I wish I could remember his name. It's like Rudy, I think. Um, Randy. Keep talking yeah. about um, Randy? Yes, Randy something. Uh, Randy Weaver, that's what it is. And so, so Randy Weaver is the guy that was living with his family at Ruby Ridge. And so there's an undercover ATF agent that talks 
Randy Weaver into sawing off some shotguns for him. And then once he does that, brings him up on federal gun charges. And so the ATF goes to try and serve these warrants at his house. But before they're doing it, they're like doing reconnaissance outside of his home. And they're the dog, the Weaver dog discovers their presence and takes off from the house and starts barking going on in the woods. And so their Randy Weaver's son and another guy that was living with him went out to try and get Mm -hmm. the dog. The ATF shot the dog, then shot the kid, and so... I believe it was like 13, if yeah, I remember Yeah, he was right, a teenager, right? young kid, yeah. And so the guy that was living with them carries the, you know, the kid back up to the house. He ends up getting shot. The dad gets shot. The mom gets shot in the face while holding the baby in her arms in the doorway while she's holding the door open for Randy Weaver and their friend to get in the house. And so then is a several-day standoff, you know, where they eventually have to bring in another veteran to come in to talk randy weaver out of his house um and so they have kevin i believe is the guy's name their friend that was living there the kid both of them are dead the mom is dead and then there's two more kids inside of the cabin with randy weaver when everything is said and done so the atf is responsible for three deaths four deaths whatever i said so yeah, mm-hmm. just in this small and I mean deaths or murders, murders, murders straight up, look yeah, at yeah, straight up murders. This was 1992. Yeah. 92. Too young to really remember that one. Yeah, ten days from August yeah. 21st, which you is probably my mom's weren't birthday. even born. I was born yet. 94 actually, so it was two years before I was <laughs> you born. mother. Um, yeah, fucker. it was August 21st, which is my mom's birthday, to August 31st. So a ten day standoff in Idaho. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, so we'll talk against the Federalize offcast. Yes. <laughs> and so you're correct. Uh, uh, it, it is, you know, reminiscent. Um, uh, it's, it's just not good, you know? No. So that, uh, so I wanted to ask you this because I did ask my brother this yes. last night. Um, given this new extension, right? We're looking at the super late reopening, all this stuff. People are going to be pissed. People are already stir crazy. Like I said, I've seen, I've yes. seen people who were once granola crunchy, you know, chiropractic business owners now talking about governmental overreach and, you know, libertarian. Do I know who you're talking about? Uh, I think yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, li- yep. libertarian esque. You know, policies of, you know, we can't allow people to dictate our future and the government is lying to us and it is weird. I've seen yep. a weird shift and I will in people, tell you, you know. If Justin Amash runs on that as his platform, yeah. the Libertarian Party might actually get a two digit percentile yeah. in 2020. I could see that happening, but that's a totally different aside. I, I wanted to ask you this, right? So, Given all this, we had our that that protest in Olympia what two weeks ago? Yes, about? and it was a re- relatively small turnout. Yes. Um, now that this has been extended, I am going to assume that it's not a matter of if, but when we see another protest. Is are we going to see numbers rise? Are we going to see people from the east side? really come over here and show their Yeah, I think the people from the eastern counties that aren't able to receive the exemptions um, are going to be mm-hmm. more likely to, to come here and it may be 
more may resemble more the Michigan protests. So let's talk about that for a minute because earlier this week there were some oh, big yeah. protests in Lansing, right? Uh, one in which oh, they one. tried to just do a drive-by, right? That people tried to just drive by the Capitol because I guess there's like a roundabout or something around it and there ended up being like a mm-hmm. three-hour long traffic jam because so many people ended up showing up. And then there was a larger in-person um, I don't mean larger in scale but just kind of like larger as a general term um, protest in person in which armed individuals were able to make their way into the government building um you know and so there was all these pictures of them and there was lawmakers in the building that are talking about you know i've never been so thankful for our sergeant at arms and you know we're we feel very threatened and all this stuff because there's armed men walking through the capitol building they're trying to protest what's going on as the republican-led Congress, their state Congress is deciding they're not going to continue this stay at home order. Um, yeah. And so the way, you know, that these people were painted in the media, I think is really. Well, I think it's gross, um, but I also think it's super concerning to me, you know, and I was getting not getting into it, but talking to some different people on Twitter about it. And I was saying that part of the reason these people are so upset is because their governor is not even trying to understand why they're really there. She's just talking about, oh, they don't want to stay at home. And now they're here with guns. They're trying to threaten everyone and scare everyone and do whatever they want. Then that's not why they're there. You know, they're there because so many of those people are concerned about the governmental overreach. It's not because they have to stay home. It's because they don't mm-hmm. feel confident that their state government is doing what is in their best interest. When they're going to the store and being told they're not able to buy gardening supplies and seeds to grow their own food, that's concerning, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's Highly. reasonable. And I also, There's a lot of things that this coronavirus pandemic has taught me, one of them being, and I think I raised this with you privately, we as a country need to realize that we are not better than the people in the Middle East and in Africa that have had to have armed revolutions still in the modern day in their country. We're not better than them Mm -hmm. just because we're white and we belong to a Western culture. And I'd hate to like... We're just a series of bad decisions I'd hate to break it down to some weird intersectional thing. But when I was in the shower this morning, I'm thinking about this. And like, it's almost racist. Like, it's almost racist that because we're like a white dominate society, we're like, oh, we're good. You know, we don't need to worry about that here. Our government is superior. Our our democracy is superior. We'll be fine. Yeah. You know, we our civilization. We, yeah, we, we're, we're more civilized. We are not than above that. being taken advantage of by shitty people who exist in this country and were able to make it to a position of power. I don't understand why that seems inconceivable. We're seeing people CEOs we that we decades think decades of history yeah, to back that we're up. We're seeing CEOs that we think are nasty people. So, but why do we think that they can only exist in a company? They don't exist in the government. That's fucking backwards. Yeah. You know, I don't understand. And I'm not calling for an armed revolution. I just think that we need to recognize that we are not above it. That. Just because it's 2020 doesn't mean that that doesn't need to possibly happen in some day in the near future. And I don't mean here. I mean anywhere around the globe. Just because it's 2020, oh, yeah. we are not past having to go back to 1776 and take this shit ourselves. It, the government and the country needs to operate in what is best for the people, not what works best for the government and what they think. I mean, you're sitting here, we have Nancy Pelosi talking about she's not going to call the House of Representatives back into session because it's unnecessarily dangerous. 
But at the same time, they're asking essential employees to continue to conduct their business. Tell Mm -hmm. me why Mm -hmm. our lives mean less than the people that we have chosen to represent us. That's ludicrous. But at the same time, forget there are moral and societal betters. It's, I mean, if anything, it just illustrates how, you know, how clear the the invo- or the voluntary class system that we've created in our society where it sits today how 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 much it's grown and how concrete those classes have been established right i mean other countries uh, are you know, losing the rights the ruling elite other countries are having the rights the ruling elite tr- i'm okay. sorry <laughs> this that's the one problem yeah. about the distance cast we we are there are other countries that are having rights stripped from them that we're asking to give away you know, and I I don't yeah. understand that. We are in a unique position where places like Canada can have their prime minister, someone they voted in, just decide that no one gets to have quote unquote assault style weapons anymore. It's done. It's over with 1500 now. They types. just decided it's over with. This is something, whether you like it or not, or you think it's appropriate or not, is instilled in our constitution. And Do you know why? It's so that you can go into your fucking Capitol building and show the people that you've elected to be there. You are not better than me. You don't get to decide that you get to do things that I don't. The definition of a tyrannical government is that which the government gets to do that the constituents do not. As defined by Thomas Jefferson, I am telling you. When you have people that are not representing your best interest, it is your duty to ensure that they don't continue to do so. And that is exactly yeah. what these people in the Capitol building are doing. Are sh- they, they didn't walk in pointing their fucking guns at people's heads. They walked in armed, yeah. most of them with their hands in their pockets, you know? And I, and they all got temperature checked. And the thing that that I got into one of these people on Twitter with is like, is the definition, right? And the definition thing is extremely important that I'm not there. So all I can do is speculate, but a lot of these pictures I saw, these dudes seem to be carrying AR pistols, you know, in most States open carry of a pistol, if not any weapon you want is totally legal. And Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, we've, we've constructed, and I say we as a country, you know, as the colloquial we have constructed these laws that have made it so that people have to abide by these odd designations that when you look at them, they don't make sense. You know, the difference between an AR pistol and a regular AR-15 barrel length and whether or not you have a stock or an arm brace doesn't make any fucking sense, right? But now that you have people who are operating within these odd, arbitrary laws, they don't like it. You know, the people who chose yeah. to construct them don't like it. I, I, even though they're sitting there abiding by the laws as you've dictated them, you have constructed it this way, and now you don't like it. It, It's well, like it only I matters, two points you know? to add to that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Essentially, the I mean, we saw a version of this happen with our latest gun control law that we talked about at length multiple times on the show in Washington State, where we have a what essentially is like a feel good law. It's a it's a piece of legislation that gets passed that has no teeth, but gets you political points and gets you a political W, um, which is totally ineffective on the ground. Right. To actually do what it was you 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 told everybody you set out to do now on the other hand when we have an open carry state right uh, and like you said most states are actually open carry states it's the concealed carry you know status that is is 
kind of loosey goosey depending on where you go. But it's the societal, and I don't want to call it a societal norm, but it's it's this series of like societal laws that we've created through societal narratives over a period of time that have been adopted by our society, which makes us look at those protesters in Michigan as if they are there to intimidate via firearm because it has been ingrained in our heads through media and other outlets and just, you know, societal norms that the only reason you would do that is if you are there to intimidate with the threat of, you know, death, right. which is not even close to what we should be thinking. And it's, but to, to change that on an actual societal level, where if you see somebody in the street or in a store carrying an open carry weapon, like, you know, what is it going to take on a societal level where that doesn't freak someone out? And I don't know if we could ever get to that point ever again, if there ever was a point like it's, that. It's but tough because... It's this weird thing, because we can have those laws, mm-hmm. and they could be following the law verbatim, but still be labeled the bad well, guys. Well, especially because even as someone, speaking as someone who concealed carries every day, right, it's, it's mm-hmm. so deeply ingrained that I started to buy bigger shirts to make sure that I didn't have any imprint or anything because I don't want someone to see it and get freaked out. And like, I don't, even as unlikely as that scenario is, I don't want that to happen. I'm, uh, I'm uninterested in that interaction in the slightest in which someone begins to question, you know, why I have something or my intentions or anything like that. Like I, I don't need that in my life, you know? No, it doesn't sound like a fun it, thing to no, try to worry about. No, it's I'm not interested in in the slightest. And so I I I think that it's it's really important what you said. You know, the the air that this carries with it because of the modern like what we've deemed a society to yeah, be like. Yeah, the rules. you know, the the like the modern yeah. message behind, or at least from the left on guns, is that guns kill people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when someone oh, yeah. has a gun, you need to be scared. And I don't these people, most of them at least, like I'm looking at the pictures now, a lot of these dudes don't even have hands on their weapon, right? And all of no. them that do are proper are practicing proper muzzle control, proper trigger safety, like all of this is being done in the safest manner that you can carry a firearm, which is which is pretty fucking yeah. safe. You can carry a firearm, you know? And Oh yeah. So I these people are so not carrying guns in order to intimidate. They're carrying guns for defense. And I'm not talking about self-protection or self-defense because in this scenario, they don't seem to have too much to be concerned about in self-protection. They're talking about protection mm-hmm. of liberties. And this fucking matters. Yes. Like there are people that like, oh, you need to, you need that to protect your freedoms. I, I don't know. When you need to mm-hmm. overthrow a fascist regime, do you just ask them to leave? Is that how that goes? Do you just say, <laughs> hey, we're really over this? If if President Trump decides that he's going to be a dictator, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, right? But it just in a modern application, if President Trump pulls a Hitler, decides, no, 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 I'm not the president anymore. I'm going to rule forever. I, this, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, the supreme just- chancellor now. This is how I do it. I'm. So, are we going to get that done with by telling him we don't approve? Is that how that's going to happen? Because that's not the argument that's being made. You know, so I don't understand it. And whether or not you see it the same way, these people are here because they feel as if they're being oppressed. And it's not just because they have to stay at home. They're not upset they have to stay at home. That's not the problem here. Mm -hmm. They're not upset because they're fucking bored at home. It's 
Yep. It's not just because they can't get their fucking haircut. That's not what the problem is here, man. The problem is people are being told they can't grow and go and get their own food. And at the same time, they're seeing reports that the food chain is starting to being disrupted. You know, I because it is. And so I don't I do not understand the inconsistent logic behind just saying these people are upset they have to stay home. That doesn't make any fucking I, sense. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's because it's not supposed to make sense. That's that's the media narrative that's being fed to people so that they will continue to take the side of the government, essentially, the local governments, because that's it's it's a well let's let's put it this way. Did you happen to listen to Shapiro at Man, all this? And week? just before we move on, in all these pictures, uh-huh. I'm seeing I've seen fucking three Trump pen signs. So it's not like it can even be painted that all these people are hardcore Trumpers. Like this one really popular picture where there's a group of maybe about 20, 25 dudes right on the stairs of the Capitol. There is one mm-hmm. Donald Trump sign. One. And yeah. that doesn't mean that one dude represents the entire group because chances are no. not all those dudes know each other. You know, chances are they all showed up for the same reason, but they don't all know each other. And so there's yep. one one fucking Trump pen sign there. They could all be like hardcore liberals that just also fucking love guns because we know that that happens. I know lots of people mm-hmm. that are very left leaning and also are super into guns. Like that's a thing, you know, I just, Oh yeah. It's so frustrating. Kind of like a, uh, it's, there is zero logic behind that, you know? Yeah. Well, so I wanted yes. to ask you this, right? So have you listened to Shapiro? At all I have this not. Week? Okay, because he, when he spoke about this protest, he took a stance that I was like, wait a minute, what? Um, when he was, he did not agree, he thought it was asinine and stupid that these protesters showed up armed to the Capitol because he insisted that it, it actually dis, it makes it harder to, for the general public to not look at them as an intimidation tactic like showing up and making our lawmakers vote a certain way because there's an implicit threat against their lives. Yeah. And that's only and because I of the media narrative, like the narrative around guns exactly. because of the media perception. And I don't like, I'd hate to blame the media for everything, but when, when mass shootings are being reported, when shootings are reported, it's done through the media. And so it matters the way yeah. that that's covered. And so it, uh-huh. you can yeah. only talk about the media narrative behind firearm ownership and it's not a positive one. Or if like you said, firearms carrying, it's not a positive positive one so i Mm -hmm. i don't agree with that when you factor in like that yeah no hard no 100 percent. and it it kind of pissed me off that i think like you just illustrated pretty perfectly why i think he missed the point on that because it wasn't about guns it was about having carrying the gun symbolizes the stripping of the civil liberties that people are upset about. It's not necessarily a Second Amendment thing, if at all a Second Amendment thing. It's just about that blanket stripping of civil liberties. Whether or not you try to justify it in the guise of public health, there is no question about whether or not our civil liberties are being stripped away from us, and they are. And our government has a very, very, very long history of stripping civil certain civil liberties away piece by piece and then never returning yeah. them. That is something that people are worried about. And that tells me that is a thousand percent okay for those people to do what they just did. Mind you, I, you know, depending on how much of the social distancing Kool-Aid you want to drink, um, 
you know, that may or may not be a bad it may or may not be a good or bad idea to be doing that kind of thing in the proximity that they were doing right. it in. But still, because some of them are social distancing, some of them are it. not. Some have masks yeah. on, some do not. Most of them have gloves on. The vast majority, they're not rubber gloves. They're like yeah. you know mechanics gloves, tactical gloves, stuff like that. But they're wearing mm-hmm. gloves, you know. Um, so I mean, yeah. at least there's that. That's a pretty common gun thing, though, to to shoot guns with gloves on, especially if you're doing it outdoors. That's mm-hmm. very common. Um, so. Yeah. That's 100%. just kind of part of the part of the um, jam, baked into the cake, if you will. Baked yeah. into the cake. Um, so, on like a slightly a side note, I'm trying to remember what I had. I, I just had something else. I was oh the um, so one of the things that came out of that protest was the fact that even you know those people they all entered the Capitol, they were all checked and do did whatever they needed to do, and then kind of to get a little bit back to like the viral side of things. They were all temperature checked, yeah. right? And this is a thing as part of, of our Washington like order for us to be operating in the fashion that we are, we have to do a daily temperature oh, check. Oh, really? Right? On all of our people. And I am at a loss for as to why the hell we are doing that. What does that accomplish if we know for a fact that the virus um uh, incubation time is it doesn't matter if it's a week two weeks a day or two days the minute that there is a if somebody shows a symptom like a fever you're already way too late to make a difference especially anywhere. why is that being a requirement if it is totally nonsensical right, especially to because i don't understand the especially logic because they've been very open that social distancing and everything is not a foolproof method you know even if even yeah. if you guys as a company are practicing every single health and safety guideline that the cdc has laid out it's still possible that you guys could get the coronavirus still possible you know mm-hmm. there's no like there is no 100 percent way to get rid of that so there I, I agree. It doesn't make a whole shitload of sense because it's just as likely that one person has a fever one day and a week later, all the fucking mm-hmm. six rest of you have the fever. So, I'm- Oh, and FYI, to qualify as having a fever, it they give you a number that you would have to hit. And to qualify for having a fever where you would have to send the employee home and then, and then start the contact tracing and whatnot is 100.4 degrees. Oh. It seems so legit. that's it seems legit, yeah. yeah. I, but I guess a low grade fever isn't good enough. No, oh. you gotta you gotta get that one hundred point four. Well, there's not some the variants that you can not, you, you know, know that you can get between, especially because you guys work outside. You know, if you're humping it for That's like true. forty minutes or whatever, doing some shit, laying some stakes outside, and then you come into the office yeah. and get your temper shaken, you might be above ninety eight point six just because you are doing vigorous physical activity with a sweatshirt on. You know, yeah, so. That's true. Yep. I can see for a more right. manual labor industry that, you know, why they would set it that way. I can see like if it mm. was for an office where they might have a lower threshold for having a fever because of that. If you're sitting in a desk all day, your fever should or your temperature should be more consistent um than if than one of your employees who might be out doing physical activity. So Yeah, that's So I'd be interested to see point. what the guideline is when office work starts back up again. If it's the same or what, if it's in the end of yeah. July. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to check that. Oh. <coughs> so I think we mentioned it 
at the very top, so we should probably address it really quick. But those new CDC numbers that came out. Um, before we move on, uh, I want to one last point death. on these yeah. on the protests, and then we can move on talk about CDC and then talk about Joe Biden and then get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. So the last thing I have to say is that I think it's important to mention, especially considering the modern narrative around guns, that no one died at this protest. It's all 100%. full of AR-15s and AR pistols and handguns, and no one died, right? No violence of no any kind. No violence, no fights, no anything, no one died, right? Super important yep. to know. I also think that it's important um, – Which is a sad thing yes, that you have to caveat. Yes. Um, right, but I also but. think that it's important that these guns and these images of these people are normalized, especially in a mm-hmm. world where, like you were talking about, there is no question that our liberties are, in fact, being taken from us. It's now only a question of for how long and whether or not we get them back. These tools that these men are carrying here are the tools of freedom that will allow us to get those liberties back. It is not you one. You just gave me a <laughs> The tools of liberty. Yeah, it, it is not – your freedoms are not won by articles and by essays and by letters, right? While those lay out for history what you wanted and how we got here, and that's why the journals of the Founding Fathers are so important and why the, the letters and the writings of the Founding Fathers are so important, right? Because we know how they got to that point. We don't, It's not like they yep. just showed up one day and decided they were killing people. It wasn't, you know – uh, an instant decision. They thought and talked for a long time before it got to that point, you know? So I think it's mm-hmm. important that these are normalized because the discussions for our liberties can only go on for so long. Eventually something needs to be done to reclaim them. And these are the tools that are going to be used to do that. And the longer that people are scared of them and the more scared they're made of them, the less apt they're going to be to learn to use them and be willing to pick them up in order to use them. And I think that that's gravely concerning. Um, like I said, we, I think we just need to remember as a people that we are not better than other democracies just because we think we've done it the best. You know, we're, yeah, we've had a good run, but just kind of like the great earthquake of the, you know, of the Northwest where we've been overdue for 10,000 years or something like that. We're overdue for a, you know, a changed government. We've been a nation for a long time and we haven't had a problem with that since the civil war. What makes us think we're immune to it? Especially, and I think assuming that is is kind of just just as an added note, you know, when we're talking about like Canada. We've also seen it in Hong Kong. You know, like we 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 oh, saw yeah. people right before this happened when the media coverage was still hot. We saw people having to try and defend their freedoms with fucking bows and arrows. We are lucky enough to live in a country where it is ingrained in our foundation that we have the right to defend our freedoms. In other countries, they are not so lucky. I am not going to be the one, just like they're doing in Canada, to just walk away and hand over my shit. I'm not doing it, you know? And I'm not going to be convinced by some backwards media narrative that I'm a bad guy because I'm willing to lay down my life in defense of the freedoms and the liberties of the people of this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? That's two freedom boners you gave me. Jesus. Boner town over here. <laughs> Jordan's sitting over here and she can only hear my side of the conversation. So she's just like, oh, what the it. fuck are you talking about? <clears throat> I mean, she just heard you talk about freedom in America and I'm sure uh, the tools freedom of freedom boner. and then boner time. Exactly. Um 
Well, word. I like that. That you put that very, very well, my Thank friend. You. Um, and I don't want to dwell too much on the CDC numbers. No, because we don't um, know too much yet about so, it. Yeah, yeah, and they're highly confusing. But we'll just say that on Friday, yeah. yesterday, the CDC published um, some new statistics relating to the deaths that are tied to COVID nineteen, and. They do a couple breakdowns in these numbers here, and we talked. You talked about the numbers uh, at the at the top, and roughly being in the United States, somewhere around what sixty six, sixty seven thousand, right? Yeah, right, just under sixty seven. Okay. And so I look at these numbers, and in this chart, and they have a, every single caveat they have here um, for COVID nineteen deaths. What they're saying, first of all, they caveat. The entire thing by saying the numbers might be one to two weeks behind due to the way death certificate data is brought in to the CDC. And, you know, and then they're all coded. Each cause of death is coded a certain, you know, alpha numerical code to identify it as a certain category. And so they published this breakdown and the, what they're calling the COVID-19 deaths are deaths with confirmed or presumed COVID-19 coded as such. And the number they're putting out to date is only 37.3 thousand. Almost Um, half. Whereas... Yeah, and whereas you go, they have they also list the pneumonia death because uh, it's kind of hard to to know, but I believe that the vast majority, if not all, of the deaths that are caused by the disease Corona, you know, uh, COVID nineteen, ultimately end up in a in a pneumonia right. death because that's it, it attacks Generally, the lungs yeah. the most, right? That right. Um, so they break down. The COVID-19 deaths at 37.3 thousand. And then they talk, they have a category in here for pneumonia deaths. And the pneumonia deaths, um, let's see, they have a subcategory number three. Say pneumonia death counts, or the pneumonia death counts exclude pneumonia death involving influenza. So these are the pneumonia deaths that exclude the pneumonia deaths combined with an influenza as well. And that number is sitting at 64.3 thousand. And then you add in kind of that one, two week delay. That's probably closer to that 67,000 number that you were talking about before. And so that's pneumonia deaths, total pneumonia deaths, excluding the ones also contributed with influenza. Um, That's a massive, massive disparity. And again, this is some weird scientific statistical tables, so our perception of it might be off in some capacity. It might be – there's been a lot of talk about the mix-ups in – or the confusion in in when they pronounce a death on a death certificate, what code they put it as. And some codes might be doubling up certain numbers by, with the COVID-19 death, and there's a lot of seemingly – We'll say there's seemingly a lot of mix-up in the actual number of straight COVID actual deaths. And so I think there's going to be a lot of discussion over the next, probably this week, now that they publish this thing on a Friday, about the confusion of the deaths. And I've already seen it starting to evolve on Twitter that some people are saying that the CDC is automatic. Okay, the CDC just cut the death number in half. What are we doing here? Government takeover, yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
but we don't really well, know. I told yet. you, Veritas. So is, that will probably be a conversation. Project Veritas out is starting week. to report that you know the deaths are being not overblown, but are being misreported. You know, um, and yeah. so <clears throat> excuse me, I'd be interested to hear and much like what we talked about with the healthcare system and how complicated and complex it is. Here's a single aspect of that. I think unfolding. Yeah. In front yeah, of so us. I'd be interested to hear yeah. what uh, Fauci and Burks make of these numbers come Monday. Yeah, come yeah. Monday, because hopefully we'll get some more data on that. Because that is highly confusing, and I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's going to change the metrics of any of the states trying to reopen their stuff. But uh, that number is—it doesn't give me a warm yeah. fuzzy about pushing people's tensions. So, so we are we anyways. are at two hours now. Do you want to do Joe Biden or do you want to save that till next time? Why don't we save it till okay. next time? Um, or let's just do a brief touch on it because there's a lot of things that are still kind of unfolding and yeah. we don't know how yeah. they're going to work okay. out. Yeah. So within but, the last uh, few the, weeks, we have had yeah. an allegation come out from a woman. What's her first name? Karen or something like that? Uh, well... It's it's hard to track down. She has multiple aliases. Commonly but known the, as Tara the Reed. commonly known as yeah. Tara Reed. Yeah. Um, came out with an allegation that in 1993, Vice President at the time Senator, but now currently Vice President. Well, I I mean still holding the title, former, but former yeah. Vice President. That's difficult. That's difficult. I had that yeah. dialogue with myself um, last week. So did you call him former Vice yeah, President? Yeah, because they'll or? still address him as know. Vice President, but he he's not the yeah. current Vice President. Interesting. Current by yeah. title only, Vice President Joe Biden. Um, so she alleges that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her uh, in 1993. Like she was, she was a staffer in his office and was tasked with bringing him something, like a jacket or some shit like that, uh, some type of packet, something. Yeah. She was some supposed to, yeah, supposed errand. to bring something to Joe Biden. He ends up, you know, pulling her off by herself and then like pushing her up against a wall and you know like. F- putting his fingers in her and all, all kinds of stuff. I don't really want to get to, it doesn't really matter, yeah. but um, we'll just say actual yeah. penetration was instantly qualifies as, as right, a sexual assault. Right. Um, and that's the only important. There's been that. some stuff that's happened. Like she's had some friends interviewed and some people that know her interviewed that say that they remember these allegations. Some say they never heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, her mom That's called into Larry King yeah, Live. There was a, a phone call that surfaced from Larry King Live in which her mom called, and it's been confirmed by as many people as possible that it is her mom, um, called yeah. Larry King uh, with some senators and lawyers on there and said, you know, I had a daughter who, you know, this happened to her and we don't really know what to do about it. Um, and so it's been a very interesting path for Tara Reed since these allegations surfaced. Um, and as far as the way yeah. that they've been handled by the left. Um, and so or just the meeting. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what we'll probably get more into the next time. I think we can leave it here for yeah. now. Um, but that's something we, we, cause we talked about it last week as well, but more things have happened or last episode as well, but I'm staking it right now. Mm-hmm. The next time we record, we're fucking talking about Joe Biden and Tara Reed. Yeah, we're leading off with it. This has been going on for about two weeks now, and, and we have a. We're just now starting to see an occasional article or two, kind of not defending yeah. Joe Biden. And I'm very curious to see where this plays out because over the next we finally weeks. have like an official affirmative denial 
um, by Joe Biden on Morning yeah. Joe. He yep. said unequivocally that did not happen. You know, it's it's untrue. Like so. Um, yep. Amika yes. pushed him. Yeah. I will say that yeah. much. So we will. Yeah. But yeah. we'll get into all that. We will lead time. off with it to ensure that we get into it because we can't not talk about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would like to announce the Seahawks draft picks because we've gone several episodes with no sports. Um, so I just would like to announce that. And the next time, maybe we'll call Morgan for sports and we'll talk to her about draft picks. I So. We can call my grandma, We're ask her about mommy, baby, and then call Morgan and ask her about sports. It's going to be a phone call filled <laughs> show the next time that we record because we will in all likelihood be together. That is the intent. That is our hopes. Uh, this time, yeah, it, there was some delay. Carolina's not feeling well. Hopefully she's feeling better. Um, but you know, we just wanted to be extra careful in these times of worry. So no yeah. problem there. Exactly. Fighting not a problem. Pneumonia. She does not have the coronavirus, just so everyone knows. Um, just. Yep, we have been tested. Run of the mill pneumonia. Uh, not that it's, you know, that much better, but Indeed. still. Yep. May or may not have been caused yeah. by when yeah. we had so COVID. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're waiting for a, uh, antibody test to see if we can get that information locked down because I'd be very curious. Um, we can do some contact Me tracing too. of our own. Um, Anyway, so the Seahawks, we finally, you know, we don't generally take a first round pick. Generally, we will trade it away to do something else. Um, with our first round pick this year, we picked an inside linebacker from Texas Tech named Jordan Brooks, J-O-R-D-Y-N also. So that's pretty cool. Um, yep. It's the only right way to spell it. Uh, round two, Daryl Taylor, DN from Tennessee. I like to see that. I wanted to see more people beef up the D line. I was a little concerned about the first pick being an inside linebacker, but he had 367 tax tackles in college. So I feel pretty good about that. He's awfully fucking fast and i think that will work well for us round number three uh we picked a guard at lsu damian lewis any guard from down south is going to be fucking fantastic so i'm happy about that um Round four, the first pick, we picked a tight end from Stanford, Colby Parkinson. I think at the end of the draft, we ended up having seven tight ends on the roster, which is fucking way too many. I wasn't happy about the tight ends being drafted. Seven. Seven? We, what? Wow. Yeah, no, it's too much. There's way too many. There's way too many tight ends. So we have like Greg Olson, yeah. Luke Wilson. Now we have these two other, we have a shitload of tight ends. Anyway, the second pick in the fourth round. So they they pick That's like what I Jordan pick my just said. <laughs> he said so they pick like I pick my fantasy teams. <laughs> Jordan said that sounds like my fantasy oh, roster. Um, so our <laughs> second pick in the fourth round, DJ Thomas or DJ Dallas, a running back out of Miami. Uh, the next pick was in round five, Alton Robinson, another D end. He's at a Syracuse. Round six, Freddie Swain, a wide receiver out of Florida, and pick number seven or round number seven. Our last pick that we had, Stephen Sullivan, another tight end out of LSU. So two tight ends. Don't love it. Well, they they look like good players. I just ends. don't see why we need so many goddamn tight ends. But uh, yeah. I mean, I know that we run a lot of like. Might be I because we've been a lot so weak tight end sets, but on that, damn, you know, yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm, but you've seen like the That's turnover true. in the tight end position has been pretty rough. So they might be feeling good about other places and want to just invest in a yeah. lot of opportunities. In my Big mind, that, that might be a thing. But you forgot the well. Actually, That's I don't know. Are you them, done yeah. with the, the the picks? Okay, because I would say we would be remiss. If we did not mention the 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 Zoom 
chat team meeting that oh. the team had <laughs> with the players and our latest and greatest player um greg olson yeah. what, greg greg olson yeah brought to you by None other. Yeah, than that the great was excellent. Will Ferrell. Um, yeah, they were the having a team thing. meeting, and so they introduced Greg Olson. And when they pulled up his Zoom screen, it was actually Will Ferrell. Uh, if you guys have not seen that video, it's very, very funny. <laughs> Definitely worth a few minutes. It's just it's pretty yeah. short, like three, yeah, three or four minutes. It's yeah. Like four and a half. Really, minutes really funny. Of hilarious. Um, you get to see a nice shot of Will Ferrell's sweet dad bod. So there's all that going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gold. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, oh, yeah. It sounds like. Uh, he and Coach yeah. Pete were kind of in on it all together, and nobody yeah. else knew what was going on. Um, does Will Ferrell like I live around think, here? I was like, thinking how is the he same a thing. Seahawks I'm not fan. sure what the connection is between Will Ferrell and the Seahawks. I don't really know how that happened. <gasps> you, I bet you. It's a tie from like when Pete was down that's, in California. That's very possible. I bet you yeah, that's, that's where they got possible. to know each other. I'd be interested. Deductive reasoning. Yeah. Um, so I think with <laughs> that, we can get out of here. Um, we, you know, we're, we, I just want to thank everyone who's listened to this. We are, we are trying harder and harder all the time. Um, we just, I just, I appreciate the support that we're getting from everyone that's listening, all seven of you. Um, it's fantastic. It's very helpful. We are working as hard as we can to make this the best product possible. So, you know, a- anything that you like, anything you don't like, let us know. We're constantly trying to grow, um, but it's it's for you guys. It's with you guys that we do it. So, thank you. Yes. Well, and I forgot. I wanted to add on to this, right? Um, we yes. have talked a lot lately about trying to get yes. more and more people on the show, right? And. I wanted to use this opportunity, especially given the times that we're in. Um, you know, we want to hear stories of, you know, we want to hear your stories of how this, this COVID-19 situation yeah. has affected your life, what you've done, what work's been like, what home life has been like, what was quarantine like, all these different things. So make sure to hit us up on all the social medias. If you have something to worry about that Don's going to plug in a second because he's a fucking pro at it or, you know, reach out to us individually. If you're one of our friends who listen to the show and support us and you want to come tell your story, you don't even necessarily have to be on the cast. We will come to you and record it with you and then put it yeah. on the cast. Then, I mean, Otherwise, come on to the show, you know, tell us, you know, write us an email, hit us up on social. We'll get in talk, you know, tell us your story. Tell us what you want to tell us. And then we can get you in here to tell everyone else your story because these stories are important. Because these are the stories that. So that was, I meant to do that at the top of the show. If anything, you know, we can chop it out or something or, you know, when you're editing the show, do a, do a, yeah. It'll be in the, uh, it'll be in the open. There you go. And that's. That's true. You know, we want to hear the stories from the people that are experiencing this on the ground, you know, and I don't mean necessarily just in the hospitals. Obviously, we're more than open to that. But, you know, there are a lot of people that feel like they're being lost in the fold here uh, between people that are unemployed and essential workers that are right on the front lines. You know, there's a lot of people in between there that are still having to go to work that maybe aren't available for or unemployment isn't available to them, but they still aren't making as much money as they were before. You know, there's a lot of people struggling with this in a lot of different ways. And it's important that those people are recognized and that their stories are understood because those aren't the ones being told in the media, you know? Um, 
And yep. Colin and I, as blue collar workers, so as got, regular dudes, you know, as family men, we, we understand that we're living that in our still in ourselves right now. We're both working. We're both trying to make the money that we were, that we were before to maintain consistency in our lives. We we're here. We feel you. We're we are with you. It's not like we're Joe Biden and we're you know we're I'm with you. I'm right here with you. I'm the everyman, right? <laughs> we actually not- are regular dudes who work fucking most of the time six or seven days a week, and then also do this podcast because we think that it's important that you guys understand what we're doing and you understand what's going on around you. Um, yeah, so Amen. we've been talking a lot about this. So, and yeah, and if you want to reach out and tell us your story, yeah. um, that's like what I was going to say. We've been talking a lot about this type of stuff lately and just talking more on social media. If you want to reach out to us and you want to share your story, you can find us both on Twitter, obviously. Tweet at us. We'll follow you back. You can hit us in the DMs. I am at alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram and at salt of the street on Twitter. And Colin is at Big Bird Offie on both of those things. You can reach out to us on our website at salt of the streets.com to email us you can find us on our facebook gets all to the streets um i think that's everything our youtube gets all to the streets you can comment on the videos if you want colin's getting more more videos out all the time we're getting caught up so that's no problem he's killing it thank you again colin you know high five virtual high five here's a little amen brother clapping for you um so yeah that's that's (laughs) it i uh i want to thank you guys again hope you enjoyed the episode and with that colin you know when i look at you i don't think there goes someone pretty cool i think there goes someone with high cholesterol and a fertility problem get out of my medical records you fuck stick (laughs) (laughs) 